And hello, Jets fans, and welcome to Rich Sports Talk. Thank you so much for joining us here today. If you're new to the channel, make sure to go down there and click that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our latest New York Jets content. And so much, so much to get into, guys. Uh, you know, I have. we'll talk about the future NFL draft. I did a poll this week. Thank you so much for getting back to me on that. We'll discuss that coming up later. We have to talk about the atrocious state of the Jets defense and special teams, which is something no one's really talked about a lot this year, but I do think is incredibly important to talk about. But we do have to start with what we always start with, which is the most important aspect of this entire team and this season, which is Zach Wilson and Zach Wilson's development. And I believe I said this in the preview or in the reaction to the Texans game last week. And if I didn't, I apologize. But I did believe I had said this. And I would love to hear from you guys in the chat what your thoughts are on this as well, which is, is it better for the Jets to have Zach Wilson play well and lose than win games and Zach Wilson not look great? And I really believe it is. You'd rather take Zach Wilson looking good and looking like a franchise quarterback and losing a game than necessarily this team finding ways to win, which you want to see. And I get you want to see this young team learn how to win games. But in the grand scheme of everything, it's important for Zach Wilson to take that next step. And you saw a lot of development. And I do think that the Jets were saying rust. And I was kind of like, you know, I don't really love that excuse for Zach Wilson. But you have to give Wilson a lot of credit because what I've been killing him on this season, what people have been killing him on, and rightfully so, is the slow starts, the poor way this offense functions. But you look, the Jets scored three touchdowns on their first three drives of that game. And Zach Wilson played incredibly well. And people are going to say, well, he didn't have a great second half. But to me, Zach Wilson in the offense got thrown off because of how terrible this defense is. I mean... Just think about this. Zach Wilson, this offense is humming. They're going up and down the field, up and down the field, scoring touchdowns, and they can't even get the point after because their kickers got off, but we'll get to that in a second. And then the way the first half ended, and I get what the Jets did with the coin toss, is they want the ball. They want Wilson going. But now in the grand scheme of things, it looked like a terrible decision because the Eagles got the ball last at halftime. Then they got the ball to start the second half. And in real time, the Jets offense and the CBS announce crew love pointing this out about the last time the Jets got a first down. But the Jets didn't get the ball on offense for almost an hour in real time. So think about that. It'd be like asking a three-point shooter who's basically on fire. It'd be like taking a three-point shooter. He's knocked down a couple threes in the NBA, to use a basketball term, and then sitting him on the bench for 25 minutes and then bringing him back in the game and expecting, oh, he's going to be in the same rhythm. He's going to be just as good. And that didn't happen. And I give Wilson credit. I thought he played well. They moved the ball pretty well in the second half. You still saw a little bit of some overthrows, but I am seeing the biggest thing to me that I saw in that game was him playing within the structure of the offense, looking more comfortable within the structure of the offense, and again, seeing better touch from him. I was noticing, like, you still see the occasional fastball from him, but he is getting better with the touch, especially on the short passes, looking a lot more better, looking a lot more 
comfortable throwing those short passes. But again, you still saw the bad interception. But again, if Elijah Moore catches the pass beforehand, which was a 50-50 ball, and the Jets had five drops in this game, again, the receivers, I mean, you have to really look inside the numbers. People are saying, well, he only completed over 60%. Well, it would have been probably close to 70 if he gets five more catches in this game from his wide receivers. And that sits up the third and long plays, trying to force a throw. They're down two touchdowns, leads to the bad interception. So, but again, Elijah Moore, another incredible game. Uh, Solomon Jets in the chat. My main man, how you doing, Solomon? Great to have you as always. God rest my dad's soul. He would say the offense is like a mother, free-flowing, loving, and correct. <laughs> I mean, I do love the analogy. Our dad went to the store and never came back. Oh, God. I looked at from his point of view, safety was hidden, tricky coverage. Yeah, like it was a bad throw. He overthrew Crowder. I mean, Crowder could have been seven feet tall and he still wasn't going to catch that one. So, um, but again, Wilson played really well. And to me, he looks more comfortable in this offense. You did see him trying to play a little bit of hero ball and you did see the long pass to Elijah Moore down the field. But again, this was a secondary that was going to be a challenge. I mean, the Eagles defense isn't great, but you knew that they have a good secondary and a secondary that can make plays, especially with their sleigh back there. You have guys that are going to take the ball away and not only can take it, but go to the house. And man, I just felt like that was a lot better performance. And look, it's it sucks. Like I'm not going to be, I'm not going to sugarcoat it as Jet fans. It sucks because you lose another game. You still haven't been the Eagles. You're now 0 and 12 against the Eagles lifetime. You still get all the jokes. And even after the broadcast, you keep hearing people on TV as, oh, you know, the Jets lost another one to the Eagles. And you're kind of like, okay, guys, we get like, I don't get what it is about the Jets. Like everyone's like going nuts. Like I saw, and I know it's a feel good story because the Lions won a game yesterday, but it drives me absolutely nuts when I see everyone saying, Wow, Dan Campbell's such a great coach. They should extend. I'm like, he's won one freaking game, and the Lions almost still blew that game. I mean, come on. But it's like, you know, and people are like killing Zach Wilson. And if if you're killing Zach Wilson yesterday, you blame the game on Zach Wilson. Like, let's be honest. Like, you're in the camp where you never wanted Zach Wilson, and you you're just looking for a reason not to love him. And look, I get it. Like, there's a lot of Jet fans that don't believe this is going to work because of the track history. But I mean, you gotta give the kid time. I'm seeing some growth from him, so I really do appreciate that. Um, Joe, that three touchdown drives, and look, I thought they were very impressive. Uh, really involving Elijah Moore, and again. I felt that Zach Wilson, especially in that second half, was playing with a short deck. I mean, I talked about going into this weekend in the preview show, and you saw it again this week, which is like, look, he's shorthanded out there. Like, he doesn't, and I understand it's the NFL, but he doesn't have all of his complement of weapons. I mean, Corey Davis, you could tell, was not 100% in this game and ends up walking off in the second half with an injury. Ryan Griffin, who, look, Ryan Griffin on this team should be the number two tight end. He's an okay tight end, but you can tell that he's built a good rapport with Zach Wilson. He's kind of become that security blanket. Uh, and then underneath it, but he gets hurt in this game. I mean, Kai Becton's still not back. And then uh, Lauren Duvernay Taver, he goes down. Uh, and Greg Van Roan comes back. God, I hope Greg Van Roan's not in for the long term. But again, I saw a lot of progress from Zach. I was happy with the way he performed. And look, he looked a lot more comfortable. I think a lot of that first game in Houston was 
adjusting to the knee brace, adjusting to not being 100% on his knee. He looked a lot healthier yesterday, looked more confident. And look, these last couple games, like you want to see this from Zach Wilson. Like if you were to say like, look, Zach Wilson's going to complete 60% and have like a two to one touchdown interception ratio, I think you would take that any day of the week. So uh, good question. Like what do you guys want me to talk about first? Because I have a lot to say about two very important things. Would you like me to start with the special teams or would you like me to start with the defense? Put that in the chat. And again, I'll get to the draft a little bit later uh, before I get to uh, I'll get to that later. But I wanted to thank everyone for participating in the poll that we did put online in the community page. So make sure you subscribe because I'm going to have these throughout the year. And not only is it good to give me what you guys are thinking, but I'm also going to put ideas for potential episodes and future episodes. And I want to get your opinions on what you would like to see. But I asked and we got 60 votes. With the Jets' first two-round picks, what direction should they go? Uh, 62% of you said one defensive player and offensive lineman. 33% two defensive players. And then a combined 6% between wide receiver and defense and two non-defensive players. So I think we're getting an idea of where everyone wants to go. Um, so I'm a Jets. He also looked better in the interviews. Yeah, Zach looked a lot more comfortable. And... Uh, yeah, I see John Fusco with the officiating. Look, the officiating, I'll go on a, on a brief tangent, and then I'll get into the defense. The officiating was god-awful. And Robert Sala, like, Robert Sala, you got to give him a lot of credit because he's pretty smart because he can't directly bash the officiating or else he's going to get fined. And he basically said, like, hey, you saw the same game I did. And look, the, the officiating in that game was horrible. There's no way around it, and it was like every major call went against the Jets. Now, did the officiating cost the Jets the game? No, but it just added to frustration where you knew this defense wasn't great. And look, this defense was playing, I guess you could say, better in the second half because they weren't allowing a touchdown. They were holding the field goals. But again, you know, I was a, a referee, and the biggest thing that bothered me was – you know, if you're going to make those sort of calls, they got to go both ways. And you saw, for example, the Bryce Hall. That was not a PI. That was very incidental contact. And again, if you're going to call that one, you have to call the one on Elijah Moore, where Elijah Moore is getting tugged from behind on that third and long and last drive. And look, at that point in the game, it probably doesn't matter too much. But you you have to call it both ways, and you have to be consistent with the officiating. And, you know, and it was funny, too, because like the another call that really annoyed me was the Jets get that big fourth down stop. They spot the ball. It's short. Eagles challenge. And even her on the broadcast, them saying, like, I don't think this is going to be overturned because you it's hard to get clear evidence in the scrum where the ball is. Then they basically decide, oh, the spot's wrong. We're going to respot the ball and they're not even going to measure it. Like, look, even if you know it's a first down, at least give the optics that you're measuring it so again terrible job of the officiating and man that was it just added to it it was it was the sherry on top of a shit sunday like let's just be honest like it wasn't the main reason but it didn't help um but uh let's get to the defense and man i saw this a lot in the on jet's twitter and I saw this reaction the other day. 
which is Robert Sala needs to take over the play calling. Robert Sala needs to kick Jeff Olbert to the curb and let him call the plays. And look, guys, at this point, the Jets' defense is god-awful. I mean, we know it, but the problem is they're not going to get better now. They're going to get better in April and May and March with NFL free agency and the draft. The Jets' defense, I've said this time and time again, if everything broke right, this team was healthy, this team was playing up to its potential, and the guys they had on this unit were playing up to their potential, that this defense at best could be average. And I get it. The scheme, they, you want to see the adjustments in the scheme. You also want to see this team, like the coverages were god-awful. And again, there's bad calls in there. I'm not disagreeing with that. The cover one on the third and 19 where the Eagles got 21 yards for the first down. Look, I get the Jets are trying to get the pass rush and the Jets are trying to force them out of field goal range. But in that situation, I'm just saying, you know what? I'll give up 10 yards just to get them off the field and let them try a long field goal. Maybe they can miss a field goal. But I really was thinking about this, and I know everyone's saying, like, oh, Salah needs to call the defense. Salah needs to take over the defense. But, again, what are the Jets going to do to really make a difference on this defense? Because they're not getting anyone back healthier outside of Bryce Huff. And, again, and Steve, that, like, that's almost been, like, one of the biggest injuries on this Jet team because really when this Jet defense lost Bryce Huff, I mean, they really took a big hit because they all of a sudden lost the presence on the edge. But Bryce Huff isn't a world-class edge rusher, but he did provide speed and someone that you had to keep an eye on. And really right now, the Jets, their edges, they just don't have speed and they just look sluggish and they just can't get to the quarterback and they can't cover the edge on the screen passes. And I keep saying this, like, it's hard because you want to see this defense prove schematically. You want to see this defense play better, and it's embarrassing. And the it's even worse now when Allberg and that defense is, yeah, we're, we're, we're figuring out we're coming. We're coming. We're going to make a statement this weekend. Well, you did, and you made the statement that, look, this defense is still god-awful. This defense is still horrendous. And it is still a major issue. And you're not going to see it get better. Because I understand this Jet team has been ravaged by injury. And is it unreasonable to say, like, hey, can we at least see this defense look, look respectable? I mean, the Jets have a great opportunity to do that. When Rager doesn't get the ball, it rolls around, they pin the Eagles inside the 10 on a kickoff. And the Eagles proceed to go down the field in eight plays and score a touchdown. And the other thing that really bothered me too, and you got mixed messages from the Jets and from this coaching staff, which was before the game, they interviewed CJ Mosley and they interviewed Robert Sala. And basically they were saying, oh, we were prepared just for Jalen Hurts. And again, it is a big difference. I do think that is a part of it. And when you're, preparing for a quarterback that runs a lot more and is a more dynamic runner. Yeah. That probably changes the way you were going to play defense, but still Garner Minshew, by the way, I mean, 
Garner Minshew should be a star in the NFL. I mean, I don't, he got such a raw deal in Jacksonville. And when the Eagles trade for him, I thought he was going to eventually be a star there. And they've already announced that they're going back to Jalen Hurts. But look, I, I keep hearing all these teams just keep talking about like they need to draft a quarterback. They need to trade for a quarterback. And I'm like, if you're really that desperate for a quarterback and you don't think you can get a great option, I would take a Sean Minshew because Minshew to me is a better version of Tua, which is I think he's more athletic, but he's a highly accurate passer. He's not going to turn the football over and he can complete 75% of his passes. And you saw that yesterday against the Jets defense. But still, I mean, this Jet defense, you would have thought it would be a bit of a break to play Gardner Minshew as opposed to Jalen Hurts because then you didn't have to worry about the quarterback running all over the place. But it's hard, man. Like when you see this defense and guys are just not in position and just not close. And it's hard because a part of you, and I get it, you want to kill this coaching staff. You can criticize this coaching staff. But in the next breath, when you really think about it and you're thinking about who is playing for this Jet team right now, where you have a, a practice squad player who I really like, but he's your starting safety. You're playing some good young corners who are showing you flashes. But again, they're going against very good receivers in the Philadelphia Eagles. And you look at this linebacking core and this defensive line and all the pieces that are missing, all the young players that are playing. I mean, Jonathan Marshall, their defensive tackle got significant snaps yesterday because they're so thin and Sheldon Rankings was out yesterday. But this defense, man, it it's it's bad. And the hard part is it's not going to get better. And I know we keep talking about like, well, we can they can adjust the scheme. They can adjust the coverages. They can, but look, this team, they just don't have talent on the defense. They're just completely undermanned. They don't have the talent right now. There's a couple games on the schedule where, I mean, Jacksonville, I think they can be respectable. Miami, I think they can be respectable. But there's probably going to be another one or two, maybe even three weekends, and I know Jet fans don't want to hear this, where you're going to see this defense play like this because they don't have an edge rush right now, and teams are taking away. The one thing the Jets can do decently is get to the quarterback. And what are they doing? They're screen passing and getting the ball out quick against this Jet team to death. And the one thing I would say if the Jets want to make an adjustment is the salad defense, the one good thing about it is the Jets have limited the big play down the field. But I do think now that they need to start gambling and playing guys close to the line and playing more tight man coverage. And look, I know Sal doesn't want to give up the big play down the field, but until the Jets can stop the screen game and the short game that's just killing them at like eight, nine yards a clip, you got to see more guys in the box. You got to see more guys up around the line of scrimmage. And you got to see them play tougher coverage because the Jets, like this defense, yeah, it's, it's fine that they're getting, they're not giving up the 50 yard bomb, but in the next breath, if teams are just going to get like seven, eight yards a clip every time, it's going to be slightly longer drives that kill you. And yesterday, like the Eagles controlled the clock, the Jets offense barely had the ball for 20 minutes. And again, by the time they got the ball back in the third quarter where they ran three plays, the Jets had the ball for 70 seconds in the quarter. And look, I know people want to jump on the offense, but again, think about this. How many, in the NFL, 
if your offense went down the field and got three touchdowns on your first three drives, A, you would think the score would be 21 nothing, but it wasn't. It was the first time since, what, in 40 years they were saying that a team scored three touchdowns and didn't get any of the extra points after it. So congratulations, Jets, making another page in the uh, futility uh, record book. But if I was to say that, you'd be like, okay, at bare minimum, one touchdown. Probably up two scores. And that changes the complexity of the game because then your, you, your offense can run the football more. They can play a little bit more time of possession. They can be a little bit more control the clock, run the football. And you saw with the Jets, they basically were in a losing effort because they could not, they could not move the foot. They could, I'm sorry. They could not catch a break because their defense couldn't stop anyone. And again, this was not a good day for special teams. And I actually think this is a great example. Like, you know, people are once again going to say, well, Joe Douglas has got awful and he should have fixed the kicking game and everything. And look, I think Joe Douglas is trying, but uh, part of the problem too is he's still making up for the mistakes of the pre previous machine. I mean, think about it. Mike McCagnan had Nick Folk, who was a great, consistent kicker. Ah, uh, no, we don't need Nick Folk. And also they had Jason Myers, who was a Pro Bowl kicker. And look, since going to Seattle, has he been an elite kicker? No, but would you make the case he's probably a top 10 kicker in the league? Absolutely. And the Jets are like, nah, you know, we don't need that. I mean, it's hard to find consistent kickers. And the Jets let two of them go this last decade. So, I mean, it's just infuriating because, you know, it almost was self-fulfilling because like we've been killing the Jets. Get rid of Matt Amendola. Get rid of Matt Amendola. And after this game, you're like, man, I actually kind of want Matt Amendola back. I know I never thought I'd say that phrase, but man, I mean, the kid that got could they couldn't have given him two easier layups and basically say, hey, just kick the extra points. I mean, think about that. The Jets, after two extra points, were playing once again without a kicker. They've played two weeks now in a row without a freaking kicker. I don't know. Like when I do my mock, I might have to look at the kicking game. I was thinking, you know, Jets might look for kicking and fancy or something like there's a good kick in this draft. Maybe the Jets use one of the later picks on, but other thing that under me too, and I don't know if this is more on Sal. I don't know if this is more on Joe Douglas, but Look, if Braden Man isn't healthy, he should not be out there punting because the last two weeks he's been horrendous. And I do think he's still injured. He's not fully recovered. But that was the, the issue. You should have kept Morstead and you should have put Man on the IR because now the unfortunate thing with him is you're going, as a Jet fan, you're kind of saying, well, it's probably because he's injured. But the scary thing is if he's not injured and this is what Braden Man is doing. I mean, man, like, God, I mean, this, this special teams is awful. Like it, it, it would be one thing if the Jets had a great offense and a good defense and special teams was a little suspect, but man, when you're a team that's this devoid of talent, you need to get as many points as you can. And the Jets just make it look so freaking hard, so freaking hard. And you know, it was just completely infuriating watching the kicking game yesterday. Braden Man had a terrible game playing the football, and 
I'm curious to see what they do this week. I know Joe Douglas is probably on a phone with kickers even during the game yesterday. But, man, it's just a game of musical chairs that until you find the right kicker, it's going to hurt until they find the right kicker. And, man, this is just this is just brutal. And, again, like I know people are going to kill Joe Douglas, but, I mean, would it have helped Joe Douglas if, I don't know, the previous regime kept, kept the two kickers, like Nick Folk, who was 90% accuracy, and, oh, you had a Pro Bowl kicker and Jason Myers. I mean, you know, it would have helped the – if the previous regime had any brains and basically like, you know, the Jets actually have a Pro Bowl player. I know, but. And uh, sorry, my screen froze a little bit there. So I apologize if there's any technical difficulties. But man, like, everyone wants to kill Joe Douglas. And I get that he can be better. But I mean, when we talk about how bare bones this roster is, I mean, Really, like I said this last week, outside of Quinnen Williams when he first took this job, there really wasn't a player in the top 22 of offense and defense that you're like, oh, my God, the Jets have to keep them. He's definitely going to be a part of the plan for the next three years. And, you know, and again, another frustrating day on the offense. Another thing I wanted to say, too, is Denzel Mims, like he's something infuriating right now. I mean, think about it. Denzel Mims. The biggest play of the game he made yesterday was a 15-yard block in the back. And again, was it a god-awful penalty? Was it a ticky-tack penalty that, you know, probably shouldn't have been called? Yeah, but still, it hurts when you're watching that and you're going, oh, wow. Okay, uh, Denzel Mims, the biggest impact he had on the game was a penalty. And, man, rough. It, it, like, it, it was rough. And just look at the chat right now. Yeah, it was a call, but it's the Jets. I know. Like, the Jet, it, it was just one of those things. Like, of course, no, no calls go the Jets' way. And, look, Denzel Mims, to me, like, this is going to be his final chance with the Jets because I watching the way Corey Davis went down in this game and the way he was moving, the way he aggravated that injury, I would be shocked if he plays next week. And again, if I'm the Jets, at this point in the season, I know Corey Davis is great for Zach's development. But if it's an injury that you could make worse and potentially lead to something else at this point in the season, just – let him sit until 100% because you're going to need him next year in some capacity. It, it just like for Denzel Mims too, it's like he's going to get an opportunity, I believe, these next few weeks. But you got to do something because, man, like I know he's gotten incredibly bad luck. I mean, getting sick with COVID, then getting the food poisoning this offseason. But you have to prove. And look, in the NFL – I always say this about players is you're not only proving it to your team and your fan base, but you're, you're proving it to 31 other teams. And look, Denzel Mims might not be here in the long term, and Denzel Mims might not be a fit in this offense long term, but he needs to show not just the Jets, but 31 other teams that might be interested. Look, there's something here and there's some talent here, but, uh, and right, Joe Mims is a vertical receiver in a West coast offense. Like he, he doesn't really fit the scheme, but again, I mean, he's going to have an opportunity with Corey Davis, probably missing time, but 
a lot of it's on Mims. Like he has to go out there and make plays. Uh, and Miami, did you talk about the defense? Uh, yeah, they're they're trash. They were garbage yesterday. And again, for Miami, if you're just joining us with the chat, I'll just keep it brief on the defense. Look, they are god awful. But again, I keep seeing this on Twitter that Sal should call the plays. And look, even if Sal takes over the defense, this defense isn't going to dramatically improve. It's because their defense, like I said, even if this team had everyone healthy and were playing their best, they at best would be an average middle-of-the-road defense probably. But when you combine that with the guys that are injured – with the amount of guys that they're playing who are rookies or guys that don't have experience. I mean, really, the most experienced guys on that team in the back seven, it's C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams probably has the most experience, and he's been on the bench in Jacksonville for most of the last two years. So a lot of this comes down to like, yeah, the Jets defense is terrible, but it's not going to dramatically improve until this offseason and free agency in the draft. The one good thing about defense, though, is you can fix a defense in an offseason. You can't fix an offense. And that's one of the reasons why this defense has been terrible is the last two years. Joe Douglas in this front office, because the offense was so bad, has invested primarily in the office, especially in the first two days of the draft. I do think you're going to see an effort on defense to go out there in free agency and go out there in the draft and improve it. And the good news is for defense, like we've seen defenses get a quick turnaround if they're able to infuse some good talent in free agency in the draft. And I do think the Jets can absolutely do that. I mean, think about this. Like when we looked at the opening day roster for this team, I mean, their two starting safeties, Joyner and May, are gone. I mean, Joyner didn't really play outside of the one game. May played, what, four or five games this year. I mean, the corners, I give the corners credit. I mean, they're playing better, but the problem is they don't have any ball hawks with these cornerbacks. They don't take the ball away. They're okay in coverage, but they don't take the ball away. And again, if I had to say one defensive player played well yesterday, I'd say Bryce Hall. And I know he had the, the pay eye against him, but that was a terrible call. But, I mean, he went up against one of the best young receivers in football, and he had a relatively quiet day. I mean, Devontae Smith is one of the most young and explosive receivers in this game, and I was expecting him to just run all over the Jets, and he had a pretty quiet day, so I have to give Bryce Hall a lot of credit. But again, I mean, I look at these linebackers. I mean, the two rookies of the Jets drafted got hurt early in the season, and those guys had a lot of speed, and I do think would have helped in the screen game and would have helped with the lack of speed on this team. Then you look at the defensive line. Of course, Lawson's out. Then you lose Sheldon Rankings. Then Vinny Curry and Bryce Huff. I mean, we're talking about four legitimate pass rushers for this Jet team. And I said, too, like it feels like Bryce Huff, that injury has been huge, too, for this Jet team because since they lost him as an edge, they just seem like the edges are so much slower, and it seems like they're running in quicksand almost. But, I mean, I have to give – you know, this is a defense that you need to have an offseason with. And the good news is I think you can turn around. But unfortunately for the Jets, it's not going to turn around until this offseason. And it's painful and it's going to be a tough watch. But like I said, to me, the biggest thing about is I need to see improvement from Zach Wilson. If I see improvement from Zach Wilson these next couple of weeks, I'll be more than happy with that. I'd rather see Zach Wilson playing well and Zach Wilson improvement than Zach Wilson playing terrible and this defense playing mediocre. To me, that's more important for this Jet team. 
Once again, guys, if you have any comments, put them in the chat. We'd love to hear from what you guys would say. I'm going to get to the draft a little bit. Once again, the Jets just flip-flopping with the Seahawks, but still the fourth and fifth pick of the draft was today. And it was funny because I saw this really on Twitter, and uh, I put this poll out on the website. So remember, follow and subscribe if you want to check in on the polls because we do take that, and we do take that into consideration. Those are good talking points. And one of the things I put out there was – who do you want to see the Jets take? Two defensive players in the first round. That got over 30%. But then the big one was one defensive player, one offensive lineman. And look, I've been – I'm going to do another mock draft at the, at the uh, what do you call it, the third quarter mark for the season. But it was funny because I was really thinking about this last night, going through my research, watching more draft tape. And I kept thinking to myself – what are the Jets going to do? Now, I do think obviously it will be impacted by free agency, and I do think the Jets are going to open up the checkbook on the defensive side. I do think they're going to invest in a corner. I think they're going to invest in potentially a safety and free agency. But I was really thinking about this. Like, if the Jets are picking and they don't trade back from where they are, and they very well could. I mean, if the Jets, I could see the Jets using that first round pick or the second one, moving, jumping back five, six spots, but getting an extra third or fourth round pick, maybe even more, depending on what player is available. But I was thinking about this because for those of you new to the channel, uh, when I do mock drafts and when I look at the draft, I look at tendencies. Like my biggest thing is when I do a mock draft, I look at the general manager and the ownership and the head coach. Because like I said, this isn't who I necessarily would pick in the draft. This is who I believe the coaches and the front office will because of their values and because of their history. Um, And I just feel like, and I've seen this in the chat a lot and I feel like it's going to come like Hamilton. And then I always say Singletary, but singly the uh, corner from LSU, all the jets are going to pick him. And I keep seeing him mock drafts. And again, I don't see the jets doing that because one, the Jets had two premium safeties, and Joe Douglas didn't want to pay them the bag, and I don't think he values safety as much as other positions. And number two, the Jets, to me, have decent corners, but the problem is they're good two through four corners. They don't have an elite one. And even young rookie corners, the problem is it takes them a while to get going, and you also feel like you have the most bus rate. I mean, you look at the biggest bus in the last couple of years. What have they been? They've been high cornerbacks. And part of it is because these teams are putting these young kids against the team's best receiver. And then they get burned, and then they lose their confidence. So I just don't see the Jets addressing the cornerback position of the draft. I really think that they're going to go completely hard after one. Of the, this is a pretty good cornerback class in free agency, and I do think the Jets can open the checkbook for them. Um, but... I did see in Salmon Jets, McShay put Hutchinson number one. Like in my previous mic draft, I had Hutchinson going to the Jets. I think Hutchinson is going to be the number one pick. Um, just briefly, why? I think there's multiple reasons. To me, the simplest reason is I really believe Detroit's going to f- end up with the first pick. And to me, he fits what that team's looking to do. He fits into that culture where, you know, you look at their head coach, he's just nuts. And I think Hutchinson is going to love that. But again, to me, Detroit needs Hutchinson because they need someone to get interest. And what's better than getting someone from Michigan to go to Detroit? I do think that would be a great parallel. And it'd be great advertising for them. And it'd be great to get a guy for them who people 
No, and I do think the ownership is going to put pressure on the front office to do that because, again, one of the big, biggest parts of the draft and one of the most intriguing parts of the draft where you see a lot of risers isn't necessarily the combine, isn't necessarily the workouts. It's right now this time of season because what happens? We get a lot of the white noise out of college because we're focusing on the conference championship games, the final games of the season, and the college football playoff and the big bowl games. So think about Hutchinson the last couple of weeks. Has an unbelievable game against Ohio State, the most dominant player on the field. Has a great game against Iowa with another good offensive line in the championship game. Now he's going to go play in the college football playoff. And owners and the Lions owners, you can't tell me they're going to be watching that saying, man, this guy looks pretty good. We have to draft him. Because don't forget, Thibodeau, who I really like, didn't play a great game against Utah. And, I mean, this is the part of the year where owners have a big impact because owners don't watch college football. And if they do, they don't watch it religiously. But now we're at that point of the year where they're watching the big games and they're seeing this kid making play after play on the biggest spotlight and in the biggest stage. So I just feel like Hutchinson will be will be gone with the number one pick. The only way I don't see that happening is if some team gives up a crazy package to go up to number one to ensure a quarterback. But we've seen crazier things before. So, no, they better not sign a QB. That will be a real waste. Like, look, I just feel like they're going to go hard after a cornerback and free agency. And look, when you're picking that high in the draft, unless you're, you know for a fact you're getting Darrell Revis, I would not take a corner. And you look to the best corner in this draft hasn't played this year because of a foot injury and he's had some nagging injuries uh who does that sound like when the jets took a corner that had injury issues and also was in the sec and was supposed to be the best corner in the draft oh yeah that was d milner how'd that work out i do think that you know the jets haven't exactly gone that way um i actually think daquan thank you for bringing this up um a little spoiler but i actually think thibodeau is gonna fall to the jets because this is the way I look at the first round. Um, I actually feel like the the first four picks, now maybe Jacksonville and, and the Texans swap, but I feel like this is pretty much what the top four is going to look like. I think Detroit's going to be one. Houston, Jacksonville are going to be interchangeable between two and three. And the Jets will have the fourth pick in the draft. I really don't see the Jets getting higher with their own pick past the fourth pick. I think they would have fallen to the Jets for a couple reasons. And one thing that's annoying me is I, I keep seeing this in the mock drafts, which is... The Texans, they keep saying, are not going to take a quarterback. And again, I'm thinking to myself, well, it's not going to work with Deshaun Watson. They're likely going to trade Deshaun Watson this offseason. And if they're going to get the haul that they expect for Deshaun Watson, they're going to get a ton of draft picks. So if they're going to be picking number two and Detroit's going to be taking the best pass rusher, which is Hutchinson... To me, the Texans have to take a quarterback, not just because they need one, but because they need to get interest in that fan base because we talk about toxic environments. There's nothing more toxic than the Texans. I mean, I saw the great viral video this week with the guy holding up the sign from the ownership box, asked them to sell the team, and then security kicked him out. Uh, and it's just toxic right now. And they need reboot. And you can't tell me that. They're not going to be – I don't think they're going to trade for a quarterback. I don't think a big quarterback wants to go to Houston. They need 
to get a quarterback. And with the number two pick, they can get whatever quarterback they think is the best fit. So I disagree with all these mock drafts. I keep seeing everyone saying, oh, Houston's going to take Thibodeau or Houston's going to take a corner. I'm like, Houston's got awful. And they're the problem with Houston is they're not even watchable. Even the Jets, their defense is unwatchable. But at least you tune in because you can want to see Zach Wilson. And it gives you some intrigue. I mean, my God, like the Texans, like they need a quarterback. I mean, their offense is historically bad. Like you can't tell me they're not going to take a quarterback. And then I think Thibodeau's going to follow the Jets because I don't see him going to the Jacksonville Jaguars because Trevor Lawrence has been getting killed and they need a franchise left tackle. And Evan Neal's a franchise left tackle. So I think Thibodeau's going to follow the Jets. Um, and the good news for him is like Thibodeau, has been inconsistent this year, and there are some little nagging injuries that concern me. But again, you look at his pressure rate, you look at his ability and his athleticism, I do think you'll need to coach him up a little bit more than Hutchinson. But again, I've seen these defensive players get better this year in the coaching staff. I have a lot of gripes with, but I have seen improvement with the younger players. And you put Thibodeau on one end and Lawson on the other end, that's a great pass rush. So, I mean, I just feel like uh, the Jets... We'll do that. Um, just looking at the chat, too. I mean, once again, I don't think they're going to take Hamilton or a DB early in the draft. I just don't see that happening. I, I still have the opinion they're going to take a lineman. I still love Linderbaum from Iowa. The only thing I could see, though, is depending on free agency, I think they're going to try to get a great number one receiver. But if they don't, the only thing I can see is maybe trading back, but Garrett Wilson looks like a great receiver from Ohio State. And I'll tell you, that kid from Alabama, uh, Williams, uh, he he was dominant this last weekend. I mean, those are two guys. And the one thing I will say about Alabama outside of Henry Ruggs is their receivers have looked good in the NFL. I mean, you can say about Alabama players and how they look in the NFL, but, man, their receivers have made the transition. And I was thinking about this, and I – I think Douglas will be hesitant because, to me, there's going to be a first-round receiver that falls through the cracks just because, and with the Jets picking where the second round, probably going to have top three or top four pick in the second round. I think the Jets are either going to, A, hope that a guy falls like Elijah Moore them in the beginning of the second round or even trade up in the back end of the first round to get a receiver because, again – I mean, I just feel like there's going to be quarterbacks taken in this draft. I, I saw an article this week about how this is going to be the first time that a quarterback's not going to go top 10 draft, and I just like, that's bogus. I mean, every year it changes. I mean, think about it. Like last year at this time, we were saying, uh, there's only two quarterbacks that are going to really go top 10. It's Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, and look what happened. I mean, you had basically three go in the top 10 and almost four i mean fields went at 11 so it really wasn't that much of a stretch and i know this isn't a great quarterback class but there's probably six to eight teams that are going to need a quarterback and if you really want you got to trade up so um tank for thibs <laughs> i don't think i think it's lower than Texas are getting a quarterback and number two pick of the draft. So, yeah, that's what I said, Nick. I, that's why I think the Jets are going to get Thibodeau or one of the top two pass rushers because Texans are going to take a quarterback. I mean, you cannot – they cannot, from a PR standpoint, go into next season with their quarterback situation the way it is. And, look, it's still going to be toxic, 
But at least if you give a rookie quarterback, you give that team at least a plan and a little bit of a direction. Because right now, the Texans aren't just unwatchable and bad. They don't have direction. They're playing a journeyman quarterback right now instead of playing their rookie quarterback. It's it's amazing. Um, Jermaine Johnson was my sleeper pick at edge, but he just won ACC Defensive Player of the Year. He's definitely in the top 15. I mean... Solomon, I really like him too, but again, no, don't forget the Jets have those two high second-round picks. They can trade up into the later in the first round if a guy really drops like we saw guys dropping last year. And again, to me, a lot of it's going to be predicated on the quarterbacks because this first round this year, there's a lot of rushers, a lot of offensive linemen, and they're going to push the skill position players down. But then the quarterbacks, I think, are also going to put them down too because they're going to be – they're two Nick Chapman. We're going to finish four thirteen, maybe five twelve. That's what I think about too. Um, yeah, I think they're going to beat the Jaguars and potentially split the Dolphins again. The only the only game that will be interesting for the Jets win total once again Week eighteen Buffalo. Um, and I said this on my early preview for the season. I just have a feeling Buffalo is going to sit everyone that week, just because I have a feeling like the playoff picture is going to be decided. The only thing is potentially a home game if they have the same record as new england but again if they can go and beat new england tonight on monday night football i mean i just see a situation where more likely than not it's going to be a situation where the bills pretty much have their playoff position and i just feel like they're going to rest guys just because don't forget too only one team gets a buy and bills aren't going to get the first round by this year uh, three corners, four linemen, safety, three edge, Quinn Williams, twin at the top of this draft. They need to get two of them. Um, yeah, well, this is another thing, too. Um, and I was really thinking about this in terms of the draft because I was watching that Utah game for Thibodeau. But um, Devin Loy, I mean, that kid, I don't think he's as good as Mika Parsons, but he's a dynamic player like Parsons. And I was thinking for the Jets' second first-round pick, Depending on where it is, but I know it wouldn't be sexy to draft a middle a linebacker in the top ten. Maybe they could trade down, and get a couple of extra picks. But again, that kid is all over the field. He's making plays. He's fast. He can catch the football. He can rush the like he can do everything. And the biggest question is like, what do you do with C.J. Mosley? I mean, Mosley's been better this year, but the Jets also have that albatross of a contract. Um, and again, they're playing with a lot fewer linebackers. I mean, does that mean Quincy Williams doesn't play as much? But to me, you need playmakers on this team. And my big philosophy is like, I don't really necessarily care where they come from. But Lloyd and Salman brought up a good point, like in the second round of mock drafts. And I think Lloyd's going to really shoot up the boards. Um, again, he's he's a weird player because of his position. I mean, if we're talking about his physical talent and his skill set, he's probably one of the top 10 players in this entire draft. Like in terms of physical talent, you, I, I, I think top five is a bit of a stretch. But again, he, what he can do on the football field, he also just, he's again, doesn't play a primary position where you look at him uh is he an edge rusher no but can he help your pass rush sure is he good in coverage yes i mean but again he's a playmaker and there's few and far playmakers in in between in this draft and 
if you can get a playmaker on this defense, because that's the big thing this defense lacks is they have some good players and good building blocks, but they don't have really game changers. And again, Franklin Myers and Quinton Williams, I do think can be game changers, especially Quinton. But again, the problem is when they don't get a chance to rush the passer and they can't get to the quarterback in half a second because that's how long it takes them to get the ball out. It's going to be hard. And look, the secondary, like the corners they've gotten this year have played better, but they don't have playmakers. They don't have guys that go get the football and take the football away. I mean, the Jets are dead last in takeaways. So I think that I would like to see I would like to see them go after Devin Moore. I mean, he could be someone interesting. I don't think he falls to the second round. But again, it comes down to this Rob Bell and Joe Douglas value. Again, if they feel like he could be a potential Fred Warner in this defense and could be a linebacker that they can build around for the next 10 to 12 years and be a dominant player and a playmaker for this defense, then you take him. I mean, if you – once again, like one of the things about drafting is like teams get criticized for taking players where they did – but if those players are playmakers, it doesn't matter. I mean, even when the Cowboys drafted Mika Parsons, there are guys going, well, do they really need Mika Parsons? I mean, they that's one of the few things they have on that defense is linebackers. And you look back at that draft, I guarantee you there's even teams that are in the top 10 going, man, he could make a huge impact. Uh Nick Chaplin, what do you think of Gardner Minshew? I thought he should have been our backup quarterback. Again, I, I talked about this earlier, Nick, and thank you so much for bringing that up. Um, I would like to see the Jets bring him in. I also know why they didn't bring him in is because they didn't want to give any potential competition. And again, I, I get why. I mean, they, they're invested in Zach Wilson, and they didn't want to bring in a guy like if Minshew came in and played well, I mean, the problem then would be, do you keep playing Minshew to potentially hurt Zach Wilson's development? Like I believe Garner Minshew is a starting quarterback in the NFL. And for those of you just joining us, like I believe Minshew is a better version of Tua, which is to me, he's more athletic. He's a guys really love playing for him. You can tell like guys love playing for him and he's highly accurate. I mean, they were showing great graphics where in that quarterback class, he was drafted. He's thrown 37 touchdowns and 11 picks and think about it, He played for Jacksonville. Who in God's name was he throwing to in Jacksonville? I mean, come on. So he hasn't exactly played with a full deck. And you saw, yes, and this is what shocked me is that the Eagles are going right back to charts. And I was thinking, like when they made the trade for Minshew, I thought Minshew was eventually going to be a starter for the Eagles because I thought he, he would have a higher ceiling in terms of athleticism. But again, I just feel like Minshew's one of the 32 starting quarterbacks in this league. And I'm more surprised that teams like Denver didn't try to go and get him. I mean, I just feel like he deserves to get a starting opportunity, but I also get why teams don't love it is because he's a bit quirky. You know, he's got like, you know, the Fu Manchu, like, I mean, they, they might not want him. To, I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but they maybe just don't feel comfortable with him being the face of the franchise. But I say, Look, he he can win you games. Is he going to be an elite top 10, 15 quarterback? No, but is he a guy with his athleticism, with uh, his ability to make plays? He should be a starting quarterback. I mean, he's better than anything they have in Denver right now. He's better than anything they have in Houston right now. I mean, I look at a bunch of organizations and what the Eagles gave up to get Minch. I mean, 
I feel they fleeced Jacksonville. And look, I know Jacksonville was trying to get rid of him, but they got him for nothing. And I was thinking, there's no other team in the NFL that could use a quarterback that can start in the NFL. A quarterback that has proven like he can be efficient. And look, he didn't win games at Jacksonville, but who's winning games? And that was my favorite thing, too, is everyone loves to kill Zach Wilson. Oh, my God, Wilson's terrible. Oh, my God, Wilson, he's a bust. Oh, my God, the Jets made a mistake. Um, a little fun fact. Did you know that in yesterday's game alone with the three touchdowns, Wilson had more touchdowns than Trevor Lawrence did in the last month? And Zach did that in one game. And look, it was a good game, but was it a great game? No, and he still got all those touchdowns. And for everyone saying, oh, my God, the Jets are killing Zach Wilson's development. Oh, my God, Zach Wilson's got off. I'm like, look, patience. even Trevor Lawrence, who I think is a better quarterback than Zach Wilson, like he's struggling. And almost that's more amazing about Gardner Minshew is he, he seemed to have more success in Jacksonville with even less than Trevor Lawrence. So to me, Trevor, I mean, uh, Gardner Minshew should be a star in the NFL. I'm shocked he's not the Eagles star this week. And look, if I'm a team that needs a quarterback and I don't love the kids in this draft, I, I take a shot on Minch if you can for the Eagles for like a third or fourth round pick. Like if I'm Carolina, I don't think I can get Deshaun Watson, maybe take a shot on Minshew. If I'm Houston and I don't love the quarterbacks or I want someone to be the starter and let the younger guy develop, I'd look at Minshew. I mean, there's so many teams that could be like, I'm amazed too. Maybe this is just speculation, but like, you know, who would be the perfect fit for Gardner Minshew? And I know they're not selling their quarterback and they got a bit of an albatross of a contract with him. But could you imagine him in Detroit? I think Gardner Minshew on the lines would be perfect. A, him and Dan Campbell together would be unbelievable. And number two, that city would go nuts for him. Like I, I like I was just going through my head, like we're good landing spots and fan bases that would go nuts for hit Minshew. Like, look, Goff to me is a good quarterback, but if I'm the Lions and I'm not sure about him long term, I would take a shot and trade for Minshew. I mean, they have so many draft picks. Why not? I mean <laughs> He's unbelievable. But let's get back to the Jets. Once again, guys, you can put in the chat what you want to talk about, uh, any questions or comments about yesterday. Once again, to sum it up, Zach Wilson, I thought his best game of the season. I'm really excited. I'm seeing progression, especially playing within the offense. Elijah Moore continues to blossom into a potential superstar receiver. But again, this defense, atrocious. I think everyone knows that. And unfortunately, I know everyone's – Quick fixes. Let Robert Sala call the defense. Well, maybe it'll get a little bit better, but this defense, unfortunately, it's not getting better until the offseason because they need to players. They need to get better players. And unfortunately, they don't have those players. And, you know, Joe Douglas has done a nice job finding some decent players like Quincy Williams and adding some secondary help. But again, I mean, those are band-aids on bullet holes right now. And I do think the Jets are going to be very invested in this draft. I think you know one of the first-round picks is definitely going defensive, but there's a chance now you're going to see both go defensive. And don't forget, too, they have those two second-round picks, which are going to be high. They can maybe trade back into the first round and get a defensive player that drops or someone that falls through the cracks from the first round. Where do we stand with Ulbrich and Boyer? Um, 
Boyer to me is a good special teams coach. I mean, Boyer, Boyer isn't, is it Boyer's fault that he's given kickers that can't make extra points? I mean, Boyer, and if anything, I mean, look at the great kickoff return yesterday from Braxton Berrios. I mean, the return game's been great this year. I mean, to me, it's more evaluating if Braden Mann is, is healthy enough to freaking punt right now. I mean, Boyer's great. Ulbrick, oh, they're going to get one more year. I mean, Ulbrick, even when you listen to Ulbrick, you can tell he's a really smart guy. You can tell, like, and he said in the press conference, like, look, I know why our defense is terrible. And then he explains why. And they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But the problem for Ulbrick and Salah and the staff is they're playing basically with two hands tied behind their backs because they don't have a good defense. They have an experienced defense. And on top of that, they don't have a talented defense. I mean, again, the Jets without their two starting safeties. The Jets are without pretty much their two starting linebackers from the Jets are the edge rush. I mean, Vinny Curry, the retirement before the season, Bryce Huff. I mean, look, the Jets, I mean, Boyer's a good special teams coach. I mean, he there's a reason why he stayed on is because he's well-respected as a special teams coach. And it's what, what you, I mean, the only thing Boyer could do better is just send himself out to kick the first field goals because he has a better shot than his kickers. Um, so I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think Ulbrich's going anywhere either. Um, again, I think you have to give it some time. I mean, we, we see what's happened with LaFleur and this offense getting better. But again, LaFleur also got some more peace back. And LaFleur's also had a team that's more money and draft capital last year's in offense. And it shows then this defense. I mean, really, Ashton Davis was the only first two-day pick on defense and you look i mean i guess jabari's in Eagles too now i think no no he was day three he was a third round no wait it was yeah i keep i keep thinking that round two is only one day but it's rounds two and three so yeah zuniga gets two but i mean again i mean they also also found bryce huff as his undrafted free agent piece but you look right now at this jet team um yeah and this team is terrible. They're terrible. And again, it's a hard watch because you got on top of getting seeing this defense play horrible, like times where they should have been bailed out by the official. Officials didn't make calls. And look, if I'm the NFL officiating, I'm really looking at that tape because again, I it wasn't just the calls, it was the way the game was officiated. Like if you're gonna call that PI on Bryce Hall, you gotta call that PI on Elijah Moore. I mean, he was getting tugged. It was almost identical, almost the same spot of the field where the Dallas Goddard penalties. If you're going to call it that ticky-tack and that like that, you have to call it both ways. And then the, the fourth down one, A, I, you can't tell in a scrum where the ball is. And number two, it's just optics. Even though you know if you move the football, it's going to be first down, at least show that you did the measurement. I mean, come on. At least there's certain things – you have to do just one. It's not, it's unstarting this team. Jets going to be bad for the next five years. I don't believe that. The one good thing about defenses, and I said this earlier, you can in defense in an offseason. I mean, we've seen it time and time again in the NFL. If you have a good draft and you have a good free agency period, defense is a lot easier to fix offense. Offense is hard because it's all about chemistry, finding schemes. 
finding the right quarterback, finding the right pieces around the quarterback. And look, Zach Wilson played better, but you know they're going to build around Zach. And you see them, they got a good piece on Elijah Moore. They still got more pieces down that offense. Don't get me wrong. It's still work in progress. But, I mean, the one nice thing about defense, it's easier to get rookies, especially in the front seven, to make an impact their rookie year. And it's easier to find guys in free agency. And the one nice thing about defense and free agency, yeah, you give them the bag, but defensive players now in the NFL, even with their big contracts, they make less money than the offensive players. So you can go out there and get, with the $65 million cap space, three or four really good players and some money left over. I Once again, they're going to go hard after a cornerback. I could see them potentially, depending on the safety market, seeing what pass rushers squeak through and linebackers can find a good athletic linebacker. I think that they can really improve this team. Um, let's see draft secondary. I think they're going to draft secondary day three. Again, Douglas to me feels like he can find value and look, he's found Bryce Hall. He's found uh, Michael Carter, the cornerback, like he's shown like he can find players and decent players in the secondary and round on day three. And again, it makes sense because it's easier to find corners later in the draft than to find a great edge rusher, find a, a good offensive lineman. I, corner to me is one of those positions. It's a bit like running back where again, there's some good high end players that you want to take high, but you probably don't want to take really early in the first round, but you can find, Solid player round. Like, I mean, you can find a guy like, for example, Paul probably should have been a round two or three, but he got injured. He fell. I mean, you find guys like that, they got hurt, but look like good players and their medicals clear. I mean, you can get good value because it's there's so many corners. We need a number one receiver, Devante. Again, Adams to me. The money isn't going to be the issue for the Jets. I think they could give them stupid money. And then Allen Robinson's a guy I think they can go after two. But it's going to come down to Devontae Adams. Like, A, does he only want to play with Aaron Rodgers? And again, where is he at this point in his career? Is he at the point in his career where he wants to get the biggest contract? Because if that's what he wants, he'll, he can get with the Jets. Or does he want to win a Super Bowl? I mean, one of the things about these guys, like if they're in their mid-20s, they want the money, but if they're in their late 20s, early 30s, they're thinking about winning a potential Super Bowl. So, again, that's why I brought up the Jets drafting receiver, whether it was Garrett from uh, Ohio State or the Williams kid from uh, Alabama with that second first-round pick because they look like they're going to be great receivers. And, again, they are guys that, to me, fit this system very well because you're looking for guys that are not only fast, but you want guys that can make plays when they get the ball in their hands and are good route runners and yak guys and both of those guys when they get the ball in their hands they can continue to make plays down the field um logic is bad those are not the caliber player that's going to take you to the top i'm guessing you're referring to the free agency defense uh cory davis atrocious i get adams yeah cory davis is a good number two um Again, like I, I just feel like the Jets, there's going to be some free agents out there. Allen Robinson's a guy I could see the Jets going after. But again, like depending on free agency, if the Jets go heavy free agency on the defense, that allows them to draft the receiver in the first round. And again, where the Jets are picking, they probably will have their choice of the number one receiver. Even if Al wins a couple games, it's still going to likely be a top 10 pick. And look, is that a little high to take receiver? Sure. 
But if you feel you're getting a legit number one and you're getting like a 1B with more to pair for the next 10 to 12 years, and those guys are going to help with the Zach Wilson development. Because again, the defense is, they have to get the defense right, but it's all about Zach Wilson. Like they still need him to grow. And if you feel you can get a great receiver in the first round, then do it. Uh, yeah, Salman Jet's like, look, that's the thing too. Like if it's a really good player, you're going to have to give him the biggest contract in the NFL. Like if you're a bad team, like, you can sell them on the culture. You can sell them up being a star in New York, but you also have to sell them and say, look, we have to give you the bag because they, there's a reason they're, they're going to want to play for like a win team that wins four or five games. Um, I'm good. I'd rather get cheaper. Wide receiver more is the number one. Yeah. More is definitely the number one, but I mean, George, like Olave actually, uh, Actually, guy you brought up Chris Olave. Uh, Wilson, I think, could be good in the first round. Olave is interesting because I think he's going to fall. I really love him a lot. And I actually think he could be kind of like this year's Elijah Moore where he falls but is a really good tactical route runner. Um, if Olave falls, I'd be curious to see if the Jets – I don't think the Jets are going to take him that high in the draft. But if he falls to like the mid-20s, could they move up and get him from the second-round pick again? It's hard to do the draft, and I really – I always say this. Like, I love how doing the mock drafts, but really my true draft mock drafts don't come until after free agency because then you know what holes they got to target. And, look, it's a lot of speculation. Like, if the Jets get a big-time wide receiver in free agency, they're not going to draft one. But if they don't get one in free agency, I see them doing that, like either moving up from the second round to get, like, a Chris Olave, who I really like. I actually think he's the most underrated receiver. I mean, we all talk about some of these kids from Alabama and – even on his own team, Garrett. But, I mean, Olave not only has been great this year, but he's been consistent. And he also set the record for the most touchdowns scored by an Ohio State receiver. And they've had some great receivers through that program. I mean, he's, once again, a bit smaller, but runs great routes, makes plays when he gets the ball in his hands. And does remind me a lot of, like, the kind of player Elijah Moore was, you know, guy, he can just get open, can run a great route and can make a play when he gets the ball in his hand. Uh, Dotson from Penn state. Uh, I don't love Dotson as much as other people. I think it raw. Um, I really love the kid from USC. Um, cause he's the big, he's to me, the busy, biggest physical freak in this draft. I mean, six foot five can go up and make plays, but again, does he fit within this offense? Cause I do think to be successful in this offense, you have to be a good route runner. And would he have fit under the old Adam Gase scheme, which is you want guys that can go vertically and go up and get those 50, 50 balls. Yeah. He, he would be more like in the Denzel Mims category, but we've seen guys like Mims who aren't the best tactical route runners and guys that aren't great in terms of getting in and out of cuts struggle in this offense. Um, draft all about O-line D line this year. QB and wide receivers is not great. Like it's, it's a decent quarterback um, class. I mean, a wide receiver class. I don't think it's as exciting as last year's. But again, like there's some good receivers. I mean, you can really improve your offense. About the in the old line. I mean, I think there's a lot of good offensive linemen. I really love Linderbaum, the kid from Iowa, as a center. I mean, you can get some really good offensive linemen. Again, I still think the Jets, if I had to pick it today, are still going to take an offensive lineman with the second pick either if they feel he can be a good guard, right tackle or center, just because Joe Douglas off offensive lineman, he understands the importance of look, the Jets offensive line has been better this year. There's no question. And it's starting to click and look, Joe Douglas, like for as much criticism as he's gotten, 
I will say he's done a – I mean, this is not the best comparison, but he's done a better job on the offensive line than Dave Gelman because Fant's played really good. Fant is a legitimate starter. I mean, Robert uh, Moses has been a good starter. Um, and also, Kai Becton hasn't played this year, but this offensive line has done better. I mean, even the trade that he got uh, uh, Tardif in, I thought was a great trade, and I hope he's healthy because that offensive line has played a lot better when he's in there. I mean, Elijah – Barrett Tucker looks like a stud. So I, I could see him definitely going offensive lineman. Uh, I don't think GV, GVR was holding O-line back. Uh, that's not what my tape says. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Uh, GVR, I mean... I, I've never seen anyone actually support GVR. This is amazing. I mean, GVR, like... I. I do think played better when he came into the game yesterday, but there's times on tape where I see this is like the horrifying thing with GVR is when I watch him on tape, there's plays where the Jets will run it to the left side. And man, Rowan gets beat so bad at right guard that his man's able to make the tackle on the running back. I mean, going the opposite way. I mean, so many times on fourth and short, they go to that side with Vera Tucker and Fant. And I, I can't tell you, there's been like multiple times where someone's beaten GVR so bad that they're able to make the play. And I'm just like, really? Like, he came home for two seconds. But, uh, oh, okay. I was about to say, like, uh, man, uh, Giants might pounce on Linderbaum again. I don't know who their GM's going to be. I really don't. And... I mean, that could be a question, but and if, even if they do, I do think the Jets can still get a very good offensive lineman, and it all depends on when their Seattle pick is. Uh, you hope Daniel Jones comes back and wins a couple of games for them, but again, they're going to be a hard nut to crack, too, because I don't know who's their general manager. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Yes, thanks, Solomon. Thank you, George. Like I, That's why I was like scratching my head. I'm like... Uh, yeah, uh, like that's one of my big criticisms of Joe Douglas was GVR, and I was like, really? I'm like, someone supports GVR. I I should go buy a lottery ticket because I don't think I've ever seen that. But glad I cleared that up. I was like, man. Well, some good news is the reports on Becton is that he is at least back in practice. Um, but again, I don't think the Jets are gonna throw him out there till he's a hundred percent. And the one good news is that they've said about Beckton, which I've been impressed with, they actually said he's been good with his weight. And I do think that is incredibly important because it shows growth that he's taking care of his body, which was an issue and was a concern coming in. And I was really concerned about the weight ballooning because being a big guy and not being able to be on your feet after that injury and not being able to, you know, really do a lot of cardio because of the injury. Um I thought that was going to be a concern. Do you like Moses more than Becton? I mean, Becton has the higher ceiling, but again, like I was saying, if Evan Neal somehow fell to the Jets, I feel like the Jets would take him because, and that's another reason why they might take another tackle is because I don't feel the Jets, I do think they love Becton's ceiling and his potential, but the problem with Becton has been the health. I mean, we're talking about a kid who's not even 25 and he only played 55% of the snaps last year. And this year he's going to play well below that. So you're talking about a guy that's in his first two years has played less than 50% of the possible snaps. And I kept saying this, it's going to be hard for the jets to go into next season and 
assume Becton is going to play all 17 games. I mean, even next year, if Becton gave you 13, 14 games, you'd almost feel like that's an accomplishment. And look, I would want to keep Moses too. Um, I do think you can get him for like a one or two year deal. Even if you have to pay him $8 million to be a backup or a swing tackle, I would do it. I don't think the market's going to be super hot for him like last year. But again, if there's a desperate team, maybe they could swoop in. I mean, Brandon Sheriff's a guy that could be available um, from the Washington football team. I could see them doing that. Uh, I mean, once again, Morgan Moses, it depends on how much money he's going to want. If they can keep it under $10 million, I think they'll bring it back. If it's more than that, I think it's going to be hard, especially for a guy that they're probably – thing as a backup i mean fans played really well this year um but again i do think you're going to see the jets draft alignment just because another part of this too is they have to also consider a contingency plan like if betting goes down for significant time again you want another great lineman that can either play right tackle left tackle or guard because maybe a situation is do what kind of the the Colts did, which is move Quinn Nelson out to left tackle. I mean, Elijah Ver Tucker played tackle in college, and he's been really good at pass protection. Like I, I love that he's an elite guard, but if you have to, I don't think he'd be the worst thing to put him in as the left tackle if Beckton gets hurt next year. So again, that's a big thing the Jets are going to be investing in. I do think you're going to see him do the offensive line. Um, Saints Armstead won't play right tackle, right? Uh, probably not. Again, it's not just about playing left or right. It's a bit about, uh, bragging rights and also about pride. Cause one of the reasons guys want to be left tackles is because there comes a premium playing a left tackle. Like the NFL now I do think has changed where if you're a great offensive lineman, it doesn't matter what position you play, you're going to get paid. But again, still left tackle. Those are the premier premier positions. Like you look like if you're a top three or five left tackle in the NFL, you're going to get paid. Even the Texans, like don't forget, they paid a premium draft capital. And also they gave, what's his name? Um, Left tackle for the Texans. I know who it is. It was the old Dolphins player who's just escaping my name. But uh they be, and I don't think he's a top five tackle, but they're paying him legitimate money. So we need a legit defense. George, completely agree. I think you're going to see them make a big investment this draft and this offseason in the defense. And again, I don't think it's going to get much better. Oh, Laramie Tunsil. Thanks, guys. Like, I was like, I kept thinking about the draft video where he has, like, you know, the gas mask. I'm like, I knew it was – I kept thinking it was Jeremy. It's Laramie. Like for some, I don't know why. For some reason, like – but, yeah, they paid him a ton of money. And, look, he's a good left tackle, but he's not, I would say, one of the top five or maybe even top ten. I mean, geez. So um, I do think a lot of pride comes to that. But I do think you're going to see this Jet team invest highly in the defense. I do think you're going to see that both in draft capital and free agency capital this offseason – and again, like I said earlier in the show, like even if you put Roberts out to call this defense, it's not going to get better because they just don't have the players and they don't have the experience. It's one thing to not only be bad, but they're young. I mean, they're going to be out of position. You got a lot of young players on this team and players that probably shouldn't even be on an NFL roster playing on the defense right now. So that's going to be a big thing this offseason. They made a statue of him. Osaman, like I keep saying, like, yeah, they for the Laramie Tunsil trade, the Dolphins should build a statue of him in a gas mask. 
and I also say like the Patriots should also build the statue of Mo Lewis in the parking lot where Foxborough Stadium used to be. I mean, Mo Lewis changed. Uh, I don't get why there isn't a statue of Mo Lewis, Mo Lewis in Foxborough. I mean, let's face it, he's probably been the most valuable Patriot <laughs> for God knows how for that thing. I mean, geez. Um, I would take a top 12 pick in this draft for Beckton. They're not trading Beckton. And look, no team's going to give you a top 10 pick for Beckton because he's been hurt. It's like driving a new car off the lot. Like these players, like the draft picks are more valuable than players because the second a player gets drafted, unless it's an elite quarterback, the value goes down. You're not going to get the same value for that. So, but again, guys, any questions or comments? If you're new to the channel, make sure you hit that subscribe. Button. We have a bunch of great Jets content this year. We will have another mock draft coming for you shortly, a three-round mock in the coming weeks as we get to the third quarter mark of the season and we get a little bit clearer picture of where the Jets will be drafting, not only with their pick, but Seattle's and Carolina's pick as well. And, of course, we will be doing a preview this Friday. Looking forward to the Jets game this upcoming week and talking about what Zach Wilson needs to continue to grow upon from this last start and can this defense be fixed. And hopefully the Jets have a new kicker. Actually, it's a good question. Would you take Amendola back at this point? I mean, in some ways, I would bring Amendola back to be the freaking punter. I mean, he was better at punting than he was at field goal kicking, and Brain Man does not look healthy. So, uh, once again, guys, make sure you hit that subscribe button. It only helps this channel grow. Hit that like button as we try to get this out and grow our community, especially with the Jet fans. You know, I love you guys. I mean, one of the things about the Jet fan base that I love being a part of is how passionate and how smart this fan base is because, you know, I always feel terrible because Jet fans just always get dumped on, but you cannot question the passion of Jet fans. And look, Jet fans, they just want to win. And uh, I get why. So, but again, if I had to sum up this weekend, Zach Wilson, great. Draft picks from this last draft look great. Defensive special teams, yikes. Uh, not good. And uh, it's going to be interesting. Like, do the Jets and draft try to draft a kicker in this draft? I mean, couldn't hurt, I guess. But it'll definitely be interesting. And also, guys, make sure you also keep tuned to the channel because I will have polls. If you saw yesterday, I asked what you guys thought about what the Jets should do with the first two round picks. It's not just about those type of polls. It's going to be about episodes. Like I have multiple ideas. Like for example, like I was thinking about doing a video and you can tell me in the chat, if you think this is a good idea and you'd like to see it is who's general manager screwed up their team worse. Was it Mike McCagnan with the Jets or was it Dave Gettleman with the New York Giants? I mean, each fan base is going to stay theirs, but I want to go a little bit into it. But looking at that poll from you guys, I asked which two play what the no, what direction the Jets should go with the first two round picks. Sixty two percent of you said one defensive player and offensive lineman. Thirty one percent said two defensive players, and then a combined seven percent for both wide receiver and defense and two non defensive players. So I see where the majority are coming for you: defense, 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 and maybe a hog molly in there for good measure. So thank you guys as always for taking part on there. Um, Let's see. Uh, thanks, Nick. Appreciate that as always. And look, like I try to keep it real with you guys too. Like I, like I'm a fan just like you, but I also, when I have to be honest, I'm going to be honest. If I see something 
that I don't agree with, I'm going to call it out. But again, too, I also am being realistic. Like I understand that there's a lot of frustration this year, but again, we're talking about a whole new regime. We're talking about a rookie head coach, a rookie quarterback. And really to me, this is Joe Douglas's first year as a GM because he's, seems to be the competent head coach finally or someone with competence and that doesn't go to a press conference like this i mean good old crazy eyes i mean i'm hey i'm gase like uh no one wanted to hire him as one of the new college head coaches i see all these coaches moving around i'm gase couldn't get a job so but you know it's been a frustrating year but again i'm excited because the biggest thing for me is i do see the growth do you do radio podcasts and anywhere i do i actually do these live streams uh i do the live streams here and then i do the recordings so you can always catch up with those uh basically rich sports talk is wherever you listen to podcasts iHeartRadio, soundcloud uh spotify wherever there's a podcast service you can likely find us there on there so uh my guard head coach came as a defense that would happen well half the defense got hurt and that defense even when healthy wasn't going to be spectacular so that's what happened uh injury bugs and a lack of talent so and i know everyone's saying well you know san francisco got by with it last year but san francisco also had one of the best depth charts in terms of defense i mean they were they were stacked. I mean, the Jets were basically, if Carl Lawson got injured, they would be screwed. He got screwed. Marcus May and Joyner were both playing. If they got hurt, the Jets' safeties would be screwed. They both got hurt. They're screwed. So, But again, Salah, I've seen the big thing with him. You see the fiery personality. You see him being aggressive, going for the two-point conversion yesterday. I'm seeing him grow as a head coach. And Again, he's the first-time head coach figuring out. I mean, the offense has gotten better under him. And my big thing for this coaching staff was this year was not necessarily the wins and losses. And this is what I said last week. You can agree or disagree with me in the chat, but the biggest thing I said with this coaching staff is, will these young players get better? Because not only did the Jets have bad drafts the last decade, but I felt like all those head coaches, I never really saw those young guys develop or get to the next stage or get better. Like Adam Gase, the players all felt like they got worse. Uh, Todd Bowles, if it wasn't a veteran, like the young players just kind of were stagnant. I mean, I'm seeing growth week to week. Elijah Moore every week looks better. Elijah Vera Tucker looks better. Michael Carter before he got hurt looked better. Even Zach Wilson, like this week, I saw a clear progression of him buying into the offense and playing within the system. Was it great? No. Was it perfect? No. But again, I'm seeing growth. I'm seeing these young players grow. I'm seeing guys that were here before. I'm seeing Quinton Williams get better. I'm seeing John Franklin Myers taking a step up. I'm seeing guys, these young players, get better. And that's, to me, more important than wins and losses this year because this is this was a young team. They have the most rookie snaps in the NFL. You need a coaching staff to develop young players. And to their credit, they're getting better. And they're getting better. And Donald scared. I think a lot of it was Zach... In the first game against the Texans, it's not the best excuse, but we're talking about a guy that got hurt on a tackle, hurt his knee, pretty much probably the biggest injury he's had in his NFL career, and then he has to go back out there with a knee brace that he's never played against. And then even though it's a Texans, you're still going against NFL guys and NFL speed. So I do think that was a bit uh, 
may have been uncomfortable, but you saw it yesterday. He looks a lot more comfortable within the offense. There's still mistakes he needs to cut down on. Look, he's not perfect, but again, the big thing is he's out there playing. I mean, in Chicago, it's infuriating for them because they're not out there seeing their guy play. In some ways, in San Francisco, it's frustrating because they're not seeing Trey Lance play. So at least Zach Wilson's out there. And again, if he plays better and he continues to grow, it doesn't matter what the Jets' win-loss record is. If he's playing well and looks like he's growing by the end of this year, I do think that's the biggest thing. Eddie Panera was just, I don't know if you went over that right. Thank you for letting me know that. I did not know he had signed because I've been on with uh, you guys. So I really do appreciate that. But, hey, at least the Jets didn't wait until the day before the game to cut their kicker on like last week. So, uh, man, I mean, it's just – it's something, man. I'll tell you. I mean, Panero, just looking it up right now, let's see – Kick for Chicago in 2019, 82% on field goals. I mean, hey, he's 93% on extra points. So that's a step in the right direction. Hooray. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say it. I've seen too many movies and TV shows. I'm not going to say it. You know what I'm thinking. It can't get fill in the blank. I'm not even going to do that. I mean... Hopefully this is an upgrade. Donald Shaver, that YouTube kicker that kicks seven yards. Yeah, uh, I'd be down for that. I'd take the the Vanderbilt place kicker replacement, the uh, the one that was the soccer player last year, than the kickers they currently have. I mean, God. Um, but, yeah, like that's the thing. It's – yeah, thanks, Nick. Uh Thanks for filling that in the chat. I, you knew which direction I was going. I didn't think I needed to lay it out there. Uh, oh, God. Sal, if if Eddie misses a PAT, I would run. Because, oh, my God. That was one thing. Sal, I give him credit. I think he was trying to, you know, be the head man a little bit. And, you know, the first few weeks was trying to be a little extra conservative. But we're now seeing fiery Sal, which I love. My God, like I would be if I missed another PAT, I would be running out of the stadium because, you know, Sal is going to chase them down. Like, Good Lord, that that was just brutal. And again, it was just it almost. It almost became a bigger focal point than Zach Wilson playing well. I mean, people were focusing on like, hey, Zach Wilson got three consecutive touchdown drives and looked really good on them. Instead, it was. Well, the Jets can't even get the freaking PAT afterwards. So, uh, Eddie, the Eagle has landed, I guess, in New York. We'll see how that goes. Um, once again, young kid, 26. Um, hasn't kicked since 2019. He was out last year. I wonder if he was out last year. I don't know if he wasn't because he couldn't get a job or maybe it was because... He opted out because of COVID last year. I do not know. I guess he was on the Lions practice squad earlier this year. Again, it's one of those things where the Jets rolling the dice, hoping it, it will get better. But, uh, you know, glad to be on with you guys again an hour and a half today. Once again, I always say this about the New York Jets. You know, I always have a lot to say, and uh, I'm never short on content. But uh, 
you know, I, I do think that, again, this defense will get better this offseason. It's not going to get better now, which I know is frustrating. Look, these next couple weeks, just let's see Zach Wilson grow. That's the biggest thing for me. We'll talk about that, of course, on Friday. Any last questions before we head out on this Monday? Of course, Monday Night Football tonight, Patriots, Bills, in a blizzard. I mean, Jet fans probably don't really care who wins. Uh, if I had to pick one, I would still say uh, just go and get the uh, – I'd be ruining a little bit for the Bills. But either way, I don't like either team. Josh Lambeau still unsigned kicker. I mean, I wouldn't hate Josh Lambeau either, but there's got to be a reason why the Jets aren't signing him because it's uh, kind of obvious that they need a kicker. Um, I would actually like to see him bring a punter because Braden Mann doesn't look healthy. And if he's not healthy, just put him on IR and bring in a punter that's healthy. I mean, they should not have gone back to him if he wasn't healthy. Um, Going to be an interesting game in Buffalo tonight. You know, once again, the good news for the Jets is Seattle wins, but that draft pick doesn't get that much better. Uh, just basically the Jets swap four and five. Uh, hopefully Seattle can lose a couple more games. But uh, I'll tell you, Seattle, man, they're – they're a hot mess, and I love people that are saying, oh, the Jets are a hot mess right now. Like, to right now, the Jets aren't a mess because of the coaching staff. To me, it's more they just don't have talent, and they're not a good football team, and they're still growing. I mean, I look at some of these other teams, like they're supposed to be really good, and I'm just looking at the mess. Like Seattle should nowhere be a 4-8 team. I mean, the Texans are a nightmare. The, it's just amazing. With all the media, I thought we had a good defensive line, two good linebackers. What happened to the run defense? Uh... To me, like the Jets have a, they have a good defensive line, but again, they've had a lot of injuries on the defensive line, and uh, the linebackers, I don't really know. Like they don't also have a giant run defense. They don't. If you look at their defensive line now, they're smaller. I mean, when they used to play the three four, you used to have D linemen that were closer to 300, 315 pounds, and they've gone lighter because obviously now with the 4-3, you're trying to get guys that can get up the field and get after the quarterback. Um, It's one of those things, too, with the Jets' defense. It just feels like if they sold out to sell, stop the run, they'd get killed by the pass. And I just feel like for this Jet defense, they're just allowing teams to run back because they do a lot of the 4-2-5 defense where they only put two linebackers out there, so they got a little bit smaller. And again... I just feel like you watch this defensive line. They just don't have great depth. I mean, you're seeing Nathan Shepard get a lot of playing time. You're seeing a lot of guys that realistically probably wouldn't have been on this roster, but because of Curry, because of Huff, because of Lawson, rankings out this week. I mean, those are guys like rankings probably would be the starting DT next to Quinn and Williams. Uh, I mean, you're really talking about a defensive line that's arguably losing two of the four starters right now and probably their top two rotational pieces. So I do think that's a big reason why this defense is struggling. And again, I mean, this is a team that they're trying, they're still trying to figure it out. They're still trying to find the right pieces and it's going to take a little bit of time and it's going to take once again, an off season draft to fix that. So thank you for that question, Michael, really appreciate it. Um, but Again, it's a work in progress. I mean, we're also talking about Quinton Williams as their best defensive lineman. He's still a baby. And again, when we talk about it, if he wants to be more effective, he needs to be getting more one-on-one matchups because of the lack of defensive linemen out there. They're able to double-team. They're able to chip them. And they took him out of that game yesterday. And look, the Eagles, say what you want about the Eagles. 
I don't love them as a team, but they still have one of the best offensive lines in football. And you saw it again yesterday. And look, the Jets defense, the line is one of their best strength, but right now it's not at full strength. And the teams the Jets have struggled with, they all have one thing in common. No one talks about it. They're like saying, oh, the Jets are terrible. The Jets defense got pushed around. Yeah, well, what teams do they get pushed around by? New England, Indianapolis, Philadelphia. What do those teams have in common? They all have great offensive lines. I mean, you can make a case the Eagles probably have a top eight offensive line. Colts have a top five. New England has a top five. And look, that's one of the reasons I do think you're going to see Joe Douglas invest another offensive lineman because he's watching these games and saying, look, those teams don't necessarily have top 10 quarterbacks. They don't necessarily have great playmakers. But what they do, they have offensive linemen that control the game and control the, the tempo and they can just manhandle our defense. So I do think that's another big reason you're going to see the Jets draft an offensive lineman just because I do think Joe Douglas wants to get this to a point where it's like the Eagles, where the Eagles, when they were great, always had a top five offensive line. And I think the Jets offensive line is ascending, but it's not a top 10 unit yet. I mean, if Becton plays a lot next year and continues to grow, if they add another piece to Elijah Vera Tucker continues to grow, I mean, they have a chance to be a great offensive line. And that makes life easier for a running game, for a quarterback. So, I mean, that's one thing the media tends to overlook. And, you know, the Jets defense are like, why is the Jets defense terrible? Well, they're undermanned. They're injured, and the teams they've really struggled against, like the caveat is they all have really good offensive lines. Like you look against the Texans, the Jets played better. Against the Dolphins, the Jets played better. Why? It wasn't necessarily that those teams, those teams had still had great playmakers on the outside. I mean, their quarterbacks, you could argue, were stepped down. But to me, the biggest reason was they didn't have great offensive lines. They were average to below average offensive lines, and the Jets play teams where their offensive lines are average to below average. You see this defense have success. When they play teams that have good offensive lines and offensive lines that can get to the second level and blocking, offensive lines that can set up the screen game, offensive lines that can just slow down the defensive line for a few seconds and just give their quarterback a little bit of time to throw. I mean, that's one of the reasons that a lot of guys were so open yesterday is because Minshew had time. These DBs aren't talented enough at this point to really stick with these receivers. And you just saw, and they also don't have great protection on the back end where you also saw big holes in the run games with Miles Sanders. I mean, it's because this offensive line's getting to the second level on Quincy Williams. They're getting to C.J. Mosley. I mean, when those two are at their best, it's because they have free room They have free room to run. They have a, their ability to get to the next level and basically get to the point of attack. You saw it yesterday. Quincy Williams did not have a great game, and neither did C.J. Mosley. But big reason why is because they got these big guards and these tackles getting to the second level and taking them out of the play. So I do think that there's still a lot of work to be done. But again, I felt that one of the reasons the Jets defense has been struggling, like the games they have been bad in, like Cincinnati, their offensive line isn't great, but the Jets defense, again, uh, I don't, I think that to me was the biggest moral alignment game. But the, the, the games the Jets have been getting blown out, at, it's been against great offensive lines. I mean, that's the consistent thing. It's not necessarily the quarterback – I mean, when we talk about really great offensive lines, what teams do we mention? The Patriots, the Eagles. We talk about the Colts. What were the three teams that absolutely embarrassed the Jets' defense? The Patriots, the Colts, the Eagles. I mean, 
that's the connection that people aren't seeing. They're like, oh, the Jets defense is terrible. The Jets defense is terrible. Yeah, it's not a good defense, but what was the reason? It wasn't because these playmakers were ripping off 70-yard touchdown passes or like it was with Gase where basically this you just saw a home run after home run against this defense. No, it's because this undermanned front seven is just getting manhandled by better offensive lines. And I do think that's a big reason why Joe Douglas is trying to build this offensive lineup is he wants to have a team like that. It's like, look, we're not having a great day. Our quarterback isn't looking good, but you know what? We can run the football. We can make plays because offensive line is handled in the game. So, but again, guys, is the Saints O-line good? It's pretty good. Uh, but again, I don't know who their, who their quarterback is. I mean, Taysom Hill uh james i mean that's a fun thing i think the saints line is good i don't think it's as good as the eagles but again you had a guy yesterday in guard Minshew. he's an accurate quarterback and if you give him time like they did yesterday he's gonna kill you and he's a highly accurate passer i mean one thing about Minshew is he's accurate uh saints quarterbacks not exactly accurate so uh, i mean to me the saints are a team that and i'll talk about in the preview show i do think the jets have a shot I think it's a good matchup. And again, one of the things I will say about this defense is, is when embarrassed and when they get called out, they do seem to have a better second week. I mean, I'd be more concerned about the, the Saints defense. I think the Saints have a really good defense, but we'll get into that later. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of that. Again, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on the program today. Love talking Jets with you. Once again, tough loss against the Eagles. But again, the big thing was we saw – probably the best game for Zach Wilson and we're seeing growth from him. And to me, that is the most important part. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our latest content. And of course we will be back Friday at 10 a.m. to preview Jets this upcoming weekend, talking about Zach Wilson and of course what the Jets have to do to get a W. But thank you guys as always. Make sure you keep checking the channel for our latest content. And I'll see you next time only here on Rich Sports Talk. Thank you so much for joining us here today.